Good morning. The scripture reading for today will come from Mark chapter 16, verses 14 through 20. Again, that's Mark chapter 16, verses 14 through 20. And it reads, Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked them, their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and they will drink anything deadly. And by no means, they will be harmed. And they will land hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Josiah. Good morning. It is good to be here today. Um, it sounds like my voice is 12 years old all over again. I had some allergies on Thursday that created a unfortunate situation for my voice, but we're going to see how it works out today. I have a microphone, so in theory, we should be good. Believe it or not, legacy, lollipop, and leadership is what we're actually going to be talking about today. And believe it or not, they're actually connected to each other. And that's what we're going to explore today is the idea of how these things connect to one another. The passage that Josiah just read to us is an example of biblical legacy. It is a legacy that has been left to us as believers in Christ. We are told to go out and to preach the gospel to all of creation. And that is very clearly a legacy. We a lot of times call it the Great Commission, but it's something that Jesus has passed down to us that we're invited to be a part of spreading the good news of Jesus to the entire world. Because we know if we didn't choose to partner with God, what would happen? The very rocks would cry out the glory of God. And that's why it's an invitation, because we have a choice as to how closely we choose to follow Jesus. But this is what it means to follow Jesus. I want to make sure that we really understand the concept of what legacy is. So I want to give you guys a few examples outside of Scripture to help make it a little bit clearer. Most people, when they talk about legacy, they talk about the idea of something being handed down from one generation to the next, and so on and so forth. You might even call it a tradition with staying power that goes on and on and on. We see this a lot in the world with things like nonprofit organizations, with foundations or endowments that are set up in the name of loved ones who have passed on before their time, or just something to honor their memory. Uh, A good example of that would be the uh, Christopher and Dana Reeves Foundation. It is an organization that is dedicated to finding treatment and cures for paralysis caused by spinal cord injury and other neurological disorders. That's an easy one to spot. This is the legacy of Superman is continuing on in this organization that is going on to try and help other people who are going through similar situations. Believe it or not, 
these shoes that I'm wearing today are part of a legacy. You may have noticed that my toes are hanging out there and that may make you uncomfortable, but these shoes mean a lot to me. These shoes are part of a legacy because my dad got married in these shoes. And my dad's actually here today, my parents are. And for those of you who know anything about me, when I talk about my parents, I describe them as hippy-dippy people. And I'm part of that legacy because guess what I did? When Ann and I decided to get married, we decided that we didn't want a traditional wedding either. My parents in their photo are getting married in the Florida Keys outside the motel that my dad grew up at, and that's a picture of their wedding day. Ann and I didn't want a traditional wedding day either. Believe it or not, we don't like being in front of people. Here I am. <laughs> we got married in a hot air balloon in Napa Valley, California at sunrise on a hot air balloon, and it was us and a preacher and a random balloon pilot that I still can't remember his name. But I wore these sandals to my wedding. So if this is going to be a legacy, I think that means that Nora has to wear them for her wedding. Yeah, I think she might have other ideas about that. There are all kinds of examples of legacies. There's one that Mesa has that's a tradition now that might turn into a legacy someday. God is good. And all the time. That's something that has been kicking around this church for quite a few years. It's stuff that I've heard at other congregations, and I couldn't even tell you who started it. But it's been floating around for a long time. And it's something that we may find churches continuing to do in the future. And it's a great example of a legacy as it's being built, right? Did you know that our Mesa Adopt-A-Family actually has its roots in some family tradition? Every year when we get together to go out and give presents to families in need, I know of at least two families that are connected with this, that when their kids were growing up, on Christmas they would do that very thing that we do. They would take their kids shopping and tell them to pick out stuff for another family. And these traditions grew within these families to the point where the kids were more excited about who they were shopping for than what they were getting. And some of these family traditions are multiple generation deep already. But you know what's really funny? That, that tradition is rooted in the Word of God, isn't it? All we have to do is flip through Scripture and we can easily see passages like Acts 20 in verse 35 where it says, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. We can flip over to Hebrews and see another example of this. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Another example of this within Scripture is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And we could go on and on and on because this is something that's so deeply rooted in Scripture, it's really easy to see 
the legacy that's being passed down. When we walk closer to Jesus, when we try and live out the words of Jesus and what the early church did, we see that legacy continue on in things like Mesa's Adopt-A-Family. And there's so many other things that we do. I want to draw your attention back to Mark 16. As we read through this passage, it's very easy to look at the Great Commission and to be a little overwhelmed, right? The command, the invitation, the thing that God is asking of us is to change the world. And I don't know about you, but I feel very small when it comes to undertaking a task to change the world. In fact, I would imagine that there's a lot of you that feel the same way. How many of you today feel that you are prepared for this kind of leadership, that you can go out and do it? There's a few of us that feel it, don't we? And I think some of that is going to be understood differently as we go the rest of our way through this lesson and through this talk. Some of the reason that it feels intimidating and that we feel less is because in the second part of this, there's some pretty amazing things that the early church does, right? They cast out demons. They heal the sick. They do so many amazing things. And I think that what happens to us is we start celebrating the 1% that looks big and amazing and flashy. Those are the things that we think are going to change the world. And we lose sight of the other 99% of what we do that changes the world around us on a daily basis. And we convince ourselves that I am not a leader. Because this passage is talking about a legacy of leadership that you're invited to be a part of. That you will lead people to a relationship with Christ. We stand aside and say that that leadership role isn't for me. We'll leave that type of leadership to the preacher. We'll leave that type of leadership to the elders. We'll leave that type of leadership to somebody who is more gifted than I am. We tell ourselves that one day I might be this kind of leader, this kind of teacher. But I want to break down this concept of leadership, of leading people to Jesus in a way that hopefully makes it more bite-sized for you. Because this isn't the only passage that talks about how to change the world. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. Within this passage, we see another description of what it means to go about changing the world. What it means to go about spreading the good news about Jesus. It says this, But keep the Lord Christ holy in your hearts. Always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you to explain about the hope that you have. Have, but answer them in a gentle way with respect. Keep your conscience clear. Then people will see the good way that you live as followers of Christ, and those who say bad things about you will be ashamed of what they have said. Do you have hope in your life right now? Do you? Do you feel like you could tell somebody about the hope that you have? That's how simple it can be. 
It doesn't have to be more complicated. It's about looking at your life and identifying the things in your life that are good, that provide hope, that when you face adversity, you can walk through the other side without being discouraged, without losing sight of the goal of heaven. But are you always ready to tell people about that hope? Because that's the other part of this verse that makes it seem a little more unachievable. Peter gives us some guidelines in here. He says that the way we're supposed to go about sharing the hope that we have, he gives you two quantifiers within it, doesn't he? He talks about gentleness and he talks about respect. How we tell people about our hope is important. Because sometimes we tell people about our hope without respect for their situation, without respect for who they are, and without gentleness, because sometimes we get more concerned about telling people about how we're right than we are about telling people because we care about their situation, right? This is not about telling someone how they don't measure up. This is not about telling someone that God hates sinners. This is not about telling people that if they commit a sin that they're bound for hell because that's not a message of hope, is it? A message of hope is good news that we have because God forgives. Jesus paid the price. That when I was stuck in sin and powerless in my own life, that God made a way for me to escape. And that's the hope that I have. We need to tell people how they can have joy and hope in the face of anything. And that comes through nothing that we do ourselves. We can't get puffed up on our own skill or our own ability or our own wisdom because none of that even enters into the equation because the hope that we have is firmly rooted in grace. It's firmly rooted in the death of Jesus on the cross. I want to draw your attention to another passage. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Do you feel like you're someone who can be entrusted with the eyewitness account of Jesus? Because believe it or not, you have it in your Bible right in front of you. Do you feel that you can communicate that testimony? We convince ourselves that the business of sharing the gospel is for someone else. We say to ourselves, I'm not a Timothy. I'm not a Paul. And I think we've built leadership up in our minds, this idea of leading people to Christ to a point that we don't feel worthy of it anymore. And someday I might be that kind of leader. Yet we read passages like 1 Timothy 4.12 to our young people, and we try and encourage them, and we say, let no one despise you for your youth. 
but set an example for the believers in your speech, in your conduct, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. We convince ourselves that we cannot be the example that we're telling our young people that they can be, that it's something that we will have to grow into. Can you live in such a way that you show the hope that you have? Can you channel your speech and the way that you talk in such a way that people will see that hope? Can you show the love of Christ on a daily basis? Can you show that faith? And just a hint, guys, faith isn't about belief. It's about an action that comes from belief. Faith is not empty of action. Are you struggling with setting that example in purity? In just a minute here, I want to play about a four-minute video for you guys. It's a uh, TEDx talk that I came across quite a few years ago. It's a man named Drew Dudley. And in this video, he talks about leadership. The way that he talks about it, I see echoes of what biblical leadership is meant to be. It has helped me to understand biblical leadership better and has helped me to embrace what being a leader for Christ really is. So I want to share that video with you guys here, and it's only about four minutes long. I think we're queued up and ready to go. I want to just start by asking everyone in the audience here a question. How many of you are completely comfortable with calling yourselves a leader? See, I've asked that question all the way across the country, and everywhere I ask it, no matter where, there's always a huge portion of the audience that won't put up their hand. And I've come to realize that we have made leadership into something bigger than us. We made it into something beyond us. We made it about changing the world. And we've taken this title of leader, and we treat it as if it's something that one day we're going to deserve. But to give it to ourselves right now means a level of arrogance or cockiness that we're not comfortable with. And I worry sometimes that we spend so much time celebrating amazing things that hardly anybody can do that we've convinced ourselves that those are the only things we're celebrating. And we start to devalue the things that we can do every day. And we start to take moments where we truly are a leader and we don't let ourselves take credit for it and we don't let ourselves feel good about it. And I've been lucky enough over the last 10 years to work with some amazing people who have helped me redefine leadership in a way that I think has made me happier. And with my short time today, I just want to share with you the one story that is probably most responsible for that redefinition. I went to a school in a little school called Mount Allison University in Sackville, New Brunswick. And on my last day there, a girl came up to me and she said, I remember the first time that I met you. And then she told me a story that happened four years earlier. She said... On my day before I started university, I was in the hotel room with my mom and my dad, and I was so scared and so convinced that I couldn't do this, that I wasn't ready for university, that I just burst into tears. And my mom and my dad were amazing. They were like, look, we know you're scared, but let's just go tomorrow. Let's go to the first day, and if at any point you feel as if you can't do this, that's fine. Just tell us. We will take you home. We love you no matter what. And she said, so I went the next day, and I was standing in line getting ready for registration, and I looked around, and I just knew I couldn't do it. I knew I wasn't ready. I knew I had to quit. And she says, I made that decision, and as soon as I made it, there was this incredible feeling of peace that came over me. And I turned to my mom and my dad to tell them that we needed to go home. And just at that moment, you came out of the student union building wearing the stupidest hat I have ever seen in my life. It was awesome. 
And you had a big sign uh, from Woody Shiner M, which is Students Fighting Cystic Fibrosis, a charity I've worked with for years. And you had a bucket full of lollipops. And you were walking along and you were handing the lollipops out to people in line and talking about Shinerama. And all of a sudden, you got to me and you just stopped and you stared. It was creepy. <laughs> this girl right here knows exactly what I'm talking about. And then you looked at the guy next to me and you smiled and you reached in your bucket, you pulled out a lollipop and you held it out to him. And you said, you need to give a lollipop to the beautiful woman standing next to you. And she said, I have never seen anyone get more embarrassed faster in my life. He turned beet red and he wouldn't even look at me. He just kind of held the lollipop out like this. And I felt so bad for this dude that I took the lollipop. And as soon as I did, you got this incredibly severe look on your face and you looked at my mom and my dad and you said, look at that, look at that. First day away from home and already she's taking candy from a stranger. <laughs> and she said, everybody lost it. 20 feet in every direction, everyone started to howl. And I know this is cheesy and I don't know why I'm telling you this. But in that moment when everyone was laughing, I knew that I shouldn't quit. I knew that I was where I was supposed to be and I knew that I was home. And I haven't spoken to you once in the four years since that day, but I heard that you were leaving. And I had to come up and tell you that you've been an incredibly important person in my life, and I'm going to miss you. Good luck. And she walks away, and I'm flattened. And she gets about six feet away, she turns around and smiles and goes, you should probably know this too. I'm still dating that guy four years later. <laughs> A year and a half after I moved to Toronto, I got an invitation to their wedding. Here's the kicker. I don't remember that. I have no recollection of that moment, and I've searched my memory banks because that is funny, and I should remember doing it, and I don't remember it. And that was such an eye-opening, transformative moment for me to think that the, maybe the biggest impact I'd ever had on anyone's life, a moment that had a, a woman walk up to a stranger four years later and say, you've been an incredibly important person in my life, was a moment that I didn't even remember. There's more to it. You can go and find him on YouTube later if you want to see the rest of his talk. How many of you have had a lollipop moment in your life, a moment that changed or impacted your life in a huge way. Raise your hand if you have a moment where something that somebody said or did changed your life in a huge way. There's a lot of hands going up, isn't there? How many of you have told that person about that moment? There's not as many hands going up, is there? We celebrate birthdays where all you have to do is not die for 365 days. <laughs> Yet we let people who have made our lives better in a profound way walk around not knowing the impact that they've had on our life. Every single one of you in here has been a catalyst for a lollipop moment. You have fundamentally made someone's life better through th something that you've said or something that you've done. And if you're thinking that you haven't, remember how many people raised their hand the second time. It was a lot less. It just means you haven't been told. The thing is, when we live how Jesus has called us to live, it creates this form of lollipop leadership. If we lean into the moments, where this comes from in Scripture is when we as Christians choose to live out things like Romans 12, 21, my absolute favorite verse in the whole Bible, and I will find a way to get it into almost any time I speak. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil 
with good. These lollipop moments are created when we don't lose heart, like it says in Galatians 6. And do not let us lose heart in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. These are the things that make our world a better place, is when we embrace these words of Christ. When we embrace them, when we live like this, we're going to see the kingdom of God grow. When we push past our doubts and just focus on doing the next right thing. Since 2020, there has been a palpable fear in our world to simply be around one another. During the pandemic, it was easy to convince ourselves that it was better for you if I stay away. That it will be better for other people if I keep to myself. We must be in each other's lives. It is 2022, and we need to get creative as to how we can be in each other's lives more. Because if we fail to let ourselves be in each other's lives, if we fail to let ourselves be in the world around us, we will become unsalty. I know, teenagers, that might not translate with how you like to use salty, but come back to the Bible with me and it'll make more sense. Matthew fifteen thirteen says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? You are no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. What good is salt that has no taste? How will people taste and see that the Lord is good if we remove the Christian flavor from the world around us? We are meant to be the flavor of God in the world around us each and every day. We are meant to be leaders. We are meant to be ambassadors. We are meant to be the living legacy of Christ. Normally, I don't like paraphrase translations that much, but this one spoke to me and I want to read it to you. Same passage, just a paraphrase. Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You have lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. I have something for you guys today. I've asked some volunteers to help me. If you would go ahead and start your tasks. I think I have six helpers. Grab your boxes. I want to give you guys two lollipops. So they're going to come down here and they're going to start passing them out. Box goes by. Grab two lollipops. I'll explain to you what to do with them. As we end our time today, I want to draw your attention to one last passage. It's found in Galatians 6, verses 6 through 10. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh 
reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So, then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are of the household of faith. The beginning of this verse tells us that we're meant to be sharing the good things that we have in our lives with those that teach us, those that lead us closer to Christ. So here's the challenge that I want to send you home with today. The first of your two lollipops, that's a lollipop from me to you. Because your presence here today has encouraged me. The fact that you said, I'll be there. I don't care where you are on your journey with God, whether you have no idea whether he exists or not, or whether you have been a committed Christian for over 70 years. Your presence here today on that journey encourages me, and I want to acknowledge the moment of today and give you a lollipop. And I also want it to be a lollipop because that moment is small, but there are a lot of other meaningful moments that you've had in people's lives that they have never acknowledged to you. And I want that lollipop to represent that. The second lollipop is because I want you to live out Galatians 6, specifically verse 6. I want you to take that second lollipop and I want you to go to someone who has made a lollipop moment in your life and I want you to give them that lollipop and tell them how they have fundamentally made your life better. So, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is, or rather, I'm going to give out lollipops myself to give you guys an idea of what this might look like. These are for Jackie and Francis. I can remember in the beginning of 2020, when everything shut down, I got a phone call from you guys. And you just prayed with me and my family. It meant the world to me that you would take time to do that. This isn't an anomaly. This is who you are. But I want to acknowledge to you today how much that meant to me and my family. I'll bring these to you later. I don't want to give them too much feedback by wandering around. You got that covered? I can wander? Oh, okay, good. <laughs> these next two... These are for Wayne and Karen. I cannot tell you how many times my week has been made by Wayne wandering into my office. I can't tell you how many Sundays he has brought an absolute smile to my face in so many different ways. He would sit down and talk to me about deep things. We would talk about the Holy Spirit, you name it. And his wisdom and his zeal for God's word is unparalleled. But Wayne was a multifaceted man. He would constantly be looking for ways to serve people and make their lives better. And it didn't matter how little or how big it was. 
I can't tell you how many things I know about this building because of Wayne, because he was the only guy who knew. And somebody would come and say, hey, this isn't working right. And the next thing you know, I'm talking to Wayne. And this isn't something that ever really stopped, even when he wasn't on staff anymore. I want to acknowledge that lollipop moment. The joy that it would bring every time I would visit the QBs and see him over there making trouble with you. Fantastic. And my last lollipop is for Nora. You can come up and get it if you want, Nora. This lollipop is for Nora because you have taught me more about God's grace and God's love than any other person. And it's just to show you that it doesn't matter how old or how young you are. Come on, come grab it. You can create a lollipop moment just by being you. So I want to close with this. You're part of a legacy of leadership. And your job is to create lollipop moments within the world where people will see Jesus, where people will encounter his love and his truth. If we can change the way that we understand leadership, we can redefine it. And I think that it can change everything. It's a simple idea, but it is not a small one. To put it in the words that Josiah read at the beginning, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. In just a minute, we're going to sing a song of invitation. I don't know where you are on your journey, but I know that we have elders that would love to talk with you and pray with you. So whatever your need is, please come as we sing.